0: So again, uh, another thing here is people participating in the occult. And this is sorcerers, mediums, spiritists, and they ought to be stoned. It says, do not allow sorcerers to live. And here's a verse here. This is Leviticus 26. I will set my face against the person who turns to mediums and spiritists to prostitute themselves by following them. And I will cut him off from his people. <clears throat> and cut him off from his people meant one or two: <clears throat> either they were killed, or they were driven away. And if they're driven away at this particular time and outside the protection of of their people, then they were killed by somebody else. So either way, was dead. Didn't matter which one was. But you notice here, right here, when I talk about the medium, we're talking about first, the person who goes to medium, and God refers to it as spiritual prostitution. And this is really, if you're going to talk about a basic definition of of dealing with the occult, is it's um, adultery with the kingdom of darkness, because God is the one who we're supposed to be bound to. So again, sorcerers, uh, mediums, spiritists, a man or a woman who is a medium or spiritus spiritist among you must be put to death. You are to stone them. Their blood will be on their own heads. Also included are people who turn to mediums and spiritists. Do not turn to mediums or seek out spiritists, for you will be defiled by them. I am the Lord your God. And in the occult, when we deal with sexual sin, we've been talking about the defilement that comes with sexual sin and the need for cleansing. When people are involved in the occult, there is also a defilement that comes on them. And it's not... Where where the sexual sin the the cleansing is through the blood of Jesus Christ. When you deal with occult sin, you're not dealing with the that covered through His blood of Christ. It's just logical. But how was it handled in the Old Testament? That they were destroyed uh, often, fire burnt. They often were not only that, but also had a, a sacrifice to the Lord put on them. I mean, all kinds of things. But it was not it was not a uh, it was not covered through the cross of Christ, so all I can think of is it's, it's cleansed through through the power or cleansing fire of the Holy Spirit. That's the best way I would say you do it, but they do need to ask for cleansing when you do them with the occult, because again it's defilement. Again, other kinds of people that are, that are under this kind of a, uh, a verdict, uh, those who sacrifice to children. I mean, those who sacrifice children. Excuse me, uh, Hannibal one who, uh, who went into Italy and almost uh, destroyed Rome. There were certain types of Carthaginians. Uh, interesting is that they they sacrificed children. And when we're talking about sacrificed children, it wasn't in child, it was their, their own children often. Their firstborn, they sacrificed to appease to God and get victory over the Romans. But Carthaginians uh, originally came from Philistine, from the Philistine and the Carthaginians are the ones that introduced fiction to the Romans. You just see, and, and the Philistines should have been destroyed by the children of Israel early on. They didn't do it. It's showing you this pattern of evil that comes around. And again, those who practice divination or sorcery, those who interpret omens, is whether it's uh, the sun and moon and stars, uh, or uh, the guts of, mm-hmm. you know, entrails of sheep, things like this, there's different ways of. Uh, basically knowing the future or getting guidance or knowing that the doom is coming, things like this. Engaging in witchcraft. By the way, these things are things that are going on in uh, Africa today very very frequently. Those who, those who cast spells, those who consult the dead. We saw a TV program a few months ago in which a... a he's a guy who... Um, one of these... millionaires on Survivors... He's now uh, doing this show where he goes off and visits interesting places all, him and his wife. But they were in Louisiana, and they went to a seminary with a Buddha priestess. And the Buddha priestess then led them in a form of sacrifice in order to appease the spirits when they visited this particular seminary. And in all innocence, they said they just went through it. Stupid, stupid, stupid. You just don't do that kind of thing. I don't care whether you're being hospitable or not. You know, if you're ever forced to do that, and, and I can't see a time when you would, but if you're going to be forced to do that, then then what you do is you just pray and you say, you know, in the name of Jesus, I ask that you cover me and do a pitch between me and these forces so they cannot get in. When a witch doctor uh, sought to heal me. <laughs> out of love? Yes. Of he love. did it out of love. It was one of these things where he considered me one of his people, you know. And out of love, he tried to heal me. And he came in, he didn't ask me, he didn't say, you know, I want to sit there and do this thing on you, Richard. He just came in and stuck his hand on me and started chanting and all this. And I immediately I had to think immediately, what am I gonna do? Push him away or let him go on. And I and I let him go on, but I prayed and I said, you oh know, God protect me. And I reject anything this guy's doing. You know, don't let it don't let it affect me. Mm-hmm. And it didn't. But the point was, if I had pushed him away, he's considered the most righteous man in the
1: tribe.
0: That's the Indian's point of view. So if I pushed him away, what would that have made me?
1: See?
0: And and here's the time to ponder this stuff. You just, you go with your gut feeling or you go with the Holy Spirit's feeling, which is the same Mm -hmm. thing sometimes. And uh, there was no problem with that, by the way. I feel it was the right thing to do. But again, I can't say, Richard says do this in this situation. You have to just follow the leading of the Holy Spirit when you're faced with uh, situations where you can't govern your actions. You really have to think what to do, and you can't always know if at a time.
1: Go ahead. <laughs> you made yeah. a special dispensation. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not trying to ask questions. He's that adding you have things, things no. okay. you uh, I think previously you talked about an example in the Old Testament where a man. Uh, promised to sacrifice his daughter, it's yep. in such a condition? You yes. Oh, explain that situation?
0: Yes, very good, sure. We had this case where, um, I can't remember the battle. I can't remember exactly the point where the father, he was one of the leaders of, the, of this particular battle, he promised to God, he said, he made a vow to God, and he said, God, if you give victory to these people, then I will sacrifice the first one that comes out of my house to you. I'll come back. So he comes back, and the first one out of his house is his daughter. So she asked, give me 30 days so I can at least sort of ponder the fact that the, of my youth that I'm losing. And she went off with the young women for 30 days. And at the end of 30 days, he sacrificed her. What would have been an alternate thing to do in that situation? It's about it to break the panel. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Just, Just... Just acknowledge the fact it was sent to it was a vow in the first place. Ask it to be broken, and she could kind have of lived. It's the same way when you had the uh, we're in a, words of power, by the way, suddenly so shifted to. But uh, we also have a case here where uh, the Jebusites came to the children of Israel during the <coughs> battles of of the, of, the, of Canaan, and they came from a far off place. They had moldy bread and they had dried grapes and. They were dirty clothes and really tired, they came really far away, and they decided to make this treaty with Israel, because they knew Israel was really powerful and they wanted to be friends. And so Israel made a pact with them, only to find out that they were basically neighbors. <laughs> so they conned them, because these ended up being the ones who were the original inhabitants of Jerusalem. They conned them. And uh, Israel went ahead and stuck with the agreement. My personal feeling is there's no way they would have had to. If they were tricked into it, there was betrayal. So when you make a contract, the whole point of of a contract, and then both parties are are truthful in their making of the contract. And they weren't. But Israel did not ask the guidance from God, God, but then having made it, they felt obliged to keep it, rather than just confess the fact that this was a foolish thing they did and asked to be released and then kill off these jokers. Huh. So, so again, in the scriptures, just because it shows up and it happens, don't say, "Well, that's an example I can follow now." That's an example we shouldn't follow. But God didn't sit there and, add, as part of the scripture footnote, this was the dumb things for them to do. But with God's statement, it was to kill all these people, and they ended up side definitely what God actually said, just because someone caught them into it. Uh, a very good thing to read sometimes, and it's in the bibliography here, is uh, it's called A Beautiful Side of People. And it's about a a woman who lived in Cuenavaca, I think it was, Mexico. One of these little enclaves of Americans, all through Mexico, different living. And uh, she was assistant in i a, a, um, I'm not sure what you call her, psychic healer, I guess. But he, one of these fellows that would go in and stand, someone sit and lay them out on the table, and he takes a rusty knife or, or a stone or whatever, and he just sticks his hand inside their stomach <coughs> and pulls out, squeezing that the other bit. And, and then they get healed and blood all over. And some have said, well, in fact, there have been charlatans who faked it. They'd have their own little packet of blood and all that. But some of this is real. And she actually, she actually participated with the healer, thinking that this was the right thing to do and saw him working. And this is a good old American who was not superstitious not easy to be caught, and she saw healing taking place like this. But this falls into the same category, participate in the occult. And in The Beautiful Side of Evil, we have someone going into this whole situation with Innocence, and and, and you just watch the time comes when all of a sudden it's revealed to her that these are demons and demonic. And it's just a good book to read. Very readable, just a very beautiful style but gives you some real insights into sometimes it looks so nice and so beautiful, and there's such blessing that comes out of it, and it's straight out of the pit of So and that's a beautiful side of evil. Another thing here is people that are dealing with the occult participators, the occult mediums and so on, we've had two cases where um, one was a blue cloth, and I don't what the other one was, but two cases where we had people who were doing services, using their cold powers in which believers prayed that God would bless them and bring them to Jesus. And in their, in their praying a prayer of blessing to these people, that they come to Jesus, all I can say is that the forces of evil would turn right around and kill them. So in both places, these people died. In other words, when you, you don't, don't pray a blessing to someone who is dedicated to Satan, you can pray that God will build a hedge of protection around them and clear their minds so someone can come in and present the gospel or something, yeah. but don't pray a prayer of protection or, or blessing, blessing. to someone like a ruha, like a, a witch doctor. It will turn back on them in some way, because you give them blessing and Satan says, go no away, and am going let them get blessing, I'll kill them instead. But that's happened twice, and it's happened enough that we consider that as a significant thing. Mm-hmm. Now, again, I'm reading just from Deuteronomy. Uh, Let no one be found among you who sacrifices his son or daughter in the fire, who practices divination or sorcery, interprets omens, engages in witchcraft, or casts spells, or is a medium for a spiritist, or who consults the dead. You know, it doesn't leave a lot of leeway here. You know, what about somebody else? The whole point is anybody that does this. Anyone who does these things is just detestable to the Lord. In other words, he hates them, but that hate is not a strong enough word. Detested. And because of their detestable practices, the Lord your God will drive those nations before you. Because that's one of the reasons that the the country's people of Canaan were destroyed, is because they were doing these practices. And and even more, as you continue to be. So again, in a sense, the general thing here is, any kind of seeking, any kind of seeking guidance from the spiritual world outside of God, is considered absolutely evil. So, in seeking guidance outside of God Himself, uh, a real question here, and and we're back to the Roman Catholic. And again, I have a daughter-in-law who's Catholic, and I've attended Catholic services, and they've been, in some cases, some of the more meaningful services, by the way, the message. But uh, it's interesting that some Catholic churches no longer are certain ones are no longer focusing on Mary, and instead they have Christ. They only have Christ crucified. They have Christ mm-hmm. elevated like he's ascending. So, so this is where you have this um, new wave of Catholicism in some ways that is that is very to me helpful, but. Uh, what do we do with someone who goes to a statue of Mary and specifically prays to the statue and for Mary? See, as' uh, goes to using a statue and the focus to turn to God. They focus on the statue and they focus on the Mary of Fatima or whatever. See, and I think we're dealing here with idolatry. Much as we might love these people, uh, I'm sorry if either they're uh, uh, saved and deceived. Or they just might not say, but I, I know that they're dealing with the occult in those situations. But again, it has to do with the, the nature of how they do you might say the life they give to the statue, that's what that's what creates this kind of situation. We did not attend one church in we didn't enter one church in Spain, Catholic, in which God was there. And in fact, <laughs> We didn't enter one church in Spain in which there wasn't a spirit of darkness there. Where we entered others, we have here, again, in California and in Florida, where when you entered the Catholic Church, God was there. But again, we saw again, an Ethiopian priest that we knew was a child of God in Ethiopia. And there wasn't one Italian priest there that we, we saw as any kind of a brother in the Lord. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> this was the Ethiopian. You just you recognize the children of God and you don't. We had a Colombian priest in, uh, who was a Jesuit in Colombia, who uh, his specialty was the, Apostle, was the epistles of Paul. And how in the world are you going to be in a, you to know, study the epistles of Paul and not be saved? And he was, he was definitely saved. And felt drawn to us and people like us. That's one of the signs of, you know, are people saved or not? And pe- people of God are drawn to people of God. So whether they're Baptist or Pentecostal or Lutheran or or so whatever, you just have to go. With, you can't go by the name. You have to go by the relationship. Yeah, in Colombia, the little priest that was in the Spanish Colombian priest that was in the little village near our base, as often as possible, came to have communion with with us at the at, at the base. Yeah, he just couldn't keep away from us. Which really bugged one of our members who felt like Catholics were all going to hell and he uh, eventually left with. Yeah. But I'm sorry. All I know is if you, if you have someone that really wants to understand what communion is from a Protestant point of view and he wants to partake, we're going to keep him from doing that. Not me. So, so again, we also have other things and this has to do with, with inanimate objects, but it's, you might say the play thing. We have, uh, this is page 865, we have the of cards, and they're really fortune-telling cards. We have the Ouija board, and there's a number of people who've, who've done things with the Ouija board that make no difference, and there's others who did things with the Ouija board, and it actually answered things for them, and it actually worked. So again, it's somewhat how they view the Ouija board, and how they, in a sense, can do it with spiritual force or not. This will be issued here. A palm reading, fortune-telling. There's a book, I don't think it's in our bibliography, I don't think, mm-hmm. called The Street of Marrakesh. Street in Marrakesh. And it's a study by a woman who, who uh, lived, lived in the same hotel we were in, in, in Morocco and just did a sociological study of the neighborhood. And it's just very, very good, very uh, detailed about life in Morocco in a very narrow, focused sense. But at one time, she was at the Fana, that's this uh, big center. Uh, it's a place where they're dancing. Uh, I mean, or drum. Uh,
1: what did I say? They're dancing.
0: Oh, well, we yeah, have Moroccans. They're, they're using drums and music, and women are going to despair and dancing. And also, you can buy uh, foods. And uh, there's also the market there. It's all straight out of uh, the New Testament. <laughs> street, you know, street called narrow. This a straight, this kind of stuff. But uh, this author, in the Jumanfama, she went up to a fortune teller and asked the fortune teller to to give her fortune. And the fortune teller took her hand and said, uh, uh, "No, you have the gift." So this is a paid Moroccan fortune teller. And to the author, she said, "To the author, you have the gift. No, I don't need to give you a fortune." So this is fortune telling. It's not just a minor thing. Some other suspected activities is uh, Vengeance and Dragons. And this is where you, you do this uh, sort of role-playing that can have problems. In fact, we dealt with people in which that was an issue. Mm-hmm. We have a cult movie. The Exorcist uh, not only frightened a great many people, that was one where you had this possessed girl and you had a priest, eventually he uh, asked for the spirit to come into him, and he jumps out of, one of the window and dies. And it frees the girl. Really horrible example of what to do. But anyway, in that very movie, that creative a fear, in some cases opened the door for Satan to come in. Yes, It didn't create a barrier <laughs> against him, it opened the door for him. And it wasn't that they were fascinated by it, by the way, they were terrified by it. So these strong emotions can do that. We have the occult TV programs. I don't think it's on anymore. The one that uh, for a long time they're called Crossing Over. Deadly seemed to be, I mean, it came too much. John Edwards. John, and, John and, and he would ask people in the audience, uh, I think that, uh, uh I think at George, he's trying to say to you that he really feels that, you know, you did the right thing by just or something. <laughs> and he's, he's just passing on messages from the dead. And boy, it's real entertaining, you know, I'm sorry, God would say, "Stone it, stone it. And you people in the audience listening stone you <laughs> also. So get rid of this evil from Israel. Then there's certain ESP activities. Again, the girl that we dealt with in Morocco that was bothered by her boyfriend. Her boyfriend was telling her in her head, you belong to me, you're not going to yeah, get away He was me. in California, she was in Morocco, and this was before the days of cell phones. Right. So he, she had this voice in her head, and all of a sudden, she was constantly telling her in, in her head that she was not going to get away from him. And his mother, his mother was in Blue was a, a Latin American witch doctor
1: uh-huh.
0: in California, not Mexico or some far off <laughs> jungle place, but Los Angeles. And... Uh, one of the things they did when they were boyfriend girlfriend is they practiced telepathy. They them built, tried to build up the the, the power to uh, communicate and with their minds across distances. And so that was part of this ESP that actually created a problem in her life. She's one that we not only dealt with, but she's one who... A, she was in a church and started manifesting possession, and started manifesting, and all they did was cast a demon out. And, and cast a demon master, out is like giving an aspirin for a headache. If there's a real tumor that's the issue, then an aspirin will just cover the surface symptom and recognize that, that a spirit in someone's life is only a surface manifestation. That's really not the real issue. The real issue is what is it, what legal reasons in, in this person's life has allowed Satan to have a, a role in their life. That's the issue, and our job is to find out what is the reality, the legal reason that a person can have a spirit at work in their life. And until you take care of that, uh, just casting out the demon does nothing. It you only know, give them temporary relief, and they're not going. Spirit's not going to stay away anyway. So, so again, certain ESP uh, activities, this thing called chanza, in Oregon and some other states. They're beginning to, uh, emphasize this as part of the school curriculum in which they help the children to release their creative inner self kind of thing. And they'll guide the child and they'll say, now, you know, just close your eyes and go into your little special room and uh, open the door of walk in and invite your, your friend, teach your friend to come in and sit down. And then also invite your other friend to come and sit down. And now, you know, just tell them that you're really glad that they're there. And now you begin to let them guide you and give you insight. And so this is how in some of our schools. Uh, in, in the, we have friends whose when, when they moved down to this particular town. Yeah, North, uh, Manzanita, wasn't it? Yeah, that's right. right. Uh, required course as a freshman in high school. It was Chandler. Required course. And in a beautiful side of evil, this woman has gone through this same process. And she goes into uh, she goes into her room later on as a Christian. She goes into her room. And she says, uh, and here's Jesus, and I think it was Moses. And uh, she said, in the name of Jesus, tell me who you are. Reveal yourself. Thinking Jesus will show up. And it ended up turning into sort of monster-like beings but they were disguised as Jesus. So this is where, don't get faked out by the name, we run into demons called Jesus, Alpha and Omega, you know, God, in the actual term God. There's one that's called guard, the guardian angel, one that Ed had in Joy Smith and Washington right now they've been working with, and, and she's the guardian angel. And actual fact is they're demons. So we have channeling, and very, very dangerous, uh, we also have this thing where you, you go from—I forget—alpha to delta, delta level or delta to alpha level. But the point is, you get your brain to shift to different subconscious levels where you really grow. And and again, that whole process can be very dangerous. We have a crystal reading. If you come to Arizona and visit, we'll take you to Sedona. You buy some crystals. You don't want to,
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: but it's an uh, area that, that focuses heavily on on the spirits and and this special area that has um, sort of the force. Power vortex. Yeah, power vortex. One of the four or five sites in the world of power vortex. And there's a crystal, and it has power, and you'd carry it around with you and things like this. Transcendental meditation. We run across a pastor in which when we dealt with a demon that he had, and he didn't have a demon, but first of all, the demon came because of the laying on of hands by Another pastor who was doing it to people in a room, and this pastor that we dealt with, he was watching that but did not let this other one lay hands on him. But just to
1: receive the Toronto blessing.
0: But just but just being there, he ended up with with not only the gift of tongues but also he ended up with demons that manifested themselves to him in a new way in his life, and he didn't want to be a part of it. He was just looking. See. But he did pray for protection, and uh, I'm not sure why he was there in the first place. But anyway, he rejected that. That was denominationally, doctrinally, he rejected that kind of thing anyway. It didn't matter. So he ended up with gift of tongues that became demonic. And as I said to a group earlier, we know one fellow, he's a, a Merle. It's in the bibliography. Uh, Merle is one of the more practical guides to working with people who are demonized. But um, uh, Merle says that he does not believe in, in the gift of tongues for the day. And he said at the same time, he has run into tongues that were of a demonic nature, and he's also run into tongues that were of a godly nature. <clears throat> and this is a man who doesn't agree with heavy tongues. <laughs> and you've got to find the same thing. It's not a matter of what your doctrinal statement says. If you run across it, you deal with it. And uh, the transcendental meditation, this fellow had received. Uh, like I say, the spirits were manifesting in his life in a stronger way after he had this, this pastor uh, laying hands on other people and he attended this ceremony of this service. And as we were working with him, the reason that this particular spirit could have power in his life was because back in college, he had practiced a, a, a transcendental meditation and he had a mantra, and that mantra was a thing that was a link to the spirit. Mm -hmm. and this was 10, 15 years before, and it wasn't a bother to his life. Uh, It hadn't been apparent in his life up to that time, and it was sort of uh, brought to the surface, I guess you'd say, when he had attended the service that another pastor was doing. And he also talked about a Christian pastor, supposedly, giving the Toronto blessing. Not just in, in, This is But this is in Canada. A few years ago, this is Toronto blessing, and uh, people were... Uh, barking like dogs and neighing like horses and running up and down aisles and laughing. And it was also supposedly a manifestation of the Holy Spirit. Hmm. And, you know, you got to use your logic here. You know, we're open to God working in ways we aren't comfortable with. But what's wrong with that just logically? See, very day, beautiful example. We're built in an image of God. So what are we doing acting like animals? I mean, that's Judgment. Then we can answer when he was judged. He ended up becoming like a cow and eating grass. It was judgment. It wasn't blessing. So you know you don't have to sit there and ponder in scripture is this right or wrong or something. You ought to be able to just use your own head and pick things out. And yet we can we can have a situation like this in which this this could be a group of Christians. They could be Christians, and yet the occult is at work anyway. Don't, don't think that God that Satan can't work among Christians. He can't. So don't automatically think, well, these, these are unsaved. No, they can be deceived, and, and and not always deceived. Sometimes they go off into ego trips and stuff, and Satan uses this kind of this kind of uh, desire for attention to uh, open the door for him to work. So again, transcendental meditation, tongues, tongues that have to be tested, and I'll say uh, i will doesn't necessarily come up exactly here, but we're into this thing of any kind of a gift, spiritual gift, uh, tongues, prophecy, uh, word of God, word of the Lord, um, healing, um, uh, any of these kind teaching. of teaching, but any of these kind of spiritual gifts that a person may have when you're taking down their history, you need to test them to see that they're really from God. They're not from the King of darkness or the other grounds that they're, they're natural. Some people have a natural ability to heal. Uh, on the other hand, some people have a, a gift of healing that actually came through generations from grandfather that in actual fact is of an occult nature. And then some have healing because God gave it to them. So you've got the three steps, and you've got to verify for anybody under any circumstances. I don't care if they went and it was a granddaddy of the Protestant movement that laid hands on him. I don't care who it is, who's tested don't assume that it must be so because it was John McCarter or so, or it was uh, Stanley or someone else <sighs> tested. Don't assume. Then there's yoga and martial arts, and the issue here is uh, don't. Well, I say don't throw out yoga and don't throw out martial arts as far as the techniques go. The point is,
1: is if I yeah. think it's witchcraft. Yeah, all over them. It's—I mean—that's what they are.
0: Mm-hmm. And again, I mentioned here uh, one of the things was word of the Lord, and we've seen word of the Lord used by Christians in very destructive ways. They'll come up and they'll say, if "I heard word of the Lord that you know we feel like you ought to go to San Diego, or that you ought to go to uh, uh, Washington, D.C., and you ought to preach to the president." Word of the Lord, and the trouble is. Is he goes, he ends up in jail or something. It only only ends up in (laughs) defeat. The point is, when it's not from God, what we've seen is when it's not from God and these people receive the word of the Lord and obey, it always ends up defeat. It always ends up defeat. We know a family that their whole life has been spent following the word of the Lord that came from other people, and all they did is end up with failure. Failure and defeat. Failure and defeat. Not of God. And the question here is, what is it when if it's just a person who unwisely is using the word of God in this way, which in itself in the of is a very grave sin, or is it in fact Satan using God's people to mislead other of God's people? And that's a hard concept to accept, but we've seen it happen over and over and over again.
1: Mm-hmm. Can I give an example? Yes, please. Uh, one woman that I worked with had. Paul pages of prophecy spoken over her. And yes. I was 15 years later, uh, depressed and suicidal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, uh, the, you know, this was a prophet from from her church. And so the question I asked is, well, why did God give you these words of prophecy? She said, so that I would be encouraged. And then I said, okay, are you encouraged? She said, no. I said, then how do you know they were betrayed? And the bottom line is she accepted those words without ever asking God whether they were from him. Right. And she lived this life of misery ever since that. You know, and, I, so. and like we said before, uh, to us, anytime someone gives a prophecy or a
0: word of the Lord, and we've had words of the Lord given to us that were legitimate, by the way, but anytime that that happens to us, we will always seek a, Some additional source to get confirmation that in fact it is from God. And that's not doubting God at all. It's just plain being safe. So, and it's somewhat uninvolved. Doesn't have a, a, some sort of a special little, uh, project to try to call. Totally uninvolved with you. And, uh, in a sense, out of the picture. And yet for some reason or another, they verify that this is the right thing. And it can even be from a non-Christian, by the way but you'll know it as confirmation because it is specifically for you and you'll know it's confirmation from whatever uh, the source it comes. When we went to Colombia, I mean, when we went to Ethiopia, our confirmation what came from a couple, uh, an old couple in Honduras who wrote us, and they said, we feel the Lord to have you go to Ethiopia, where our people in Colombia said, uh, oh, God, don't let the Smith go to Ethiopia. They never asked what God's will was. Just oh God, don't let I don't show. You know, it big help that was. So the confirmation came from the outside. Now let's go ahead and let me uh, just finish here. implication. Now uh, this has to do again all these different activities that are sometimes considered as play playtime. And we know some others. One was uh, in Buffalo. The girl was telling us about a high school party, and it's. Uh, a uh, heavy as a board light is a feather, wasn't it?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. In which you, you hold a kid. You take one of them, and they're, they're held on both sides by, by people. In fact, I get by everybody. And both sides, and they're going like this, and they're saying, heavy it's a board the light is a feather. And then, uh, I forget exactly the whole process, but eventually the person becomes to light. It, and floats. And and, floats. and isn't this fun? You know. Well, it's straight. It's a cult. And uh, in Buffalo, in Buffalo, uh, this one again, high school student that we worked with, she said that there were there were people that were identifying themselves as witches in her high school. They, they actually practiced witchcraft in her high school. High school students. Okay? But this is America. This is the age of the, of the witch, <laughs> and, and we have the again the program uh, what's it called charmed, in which is three witches. And then I take the cute little things and, and all all little things they do and all and it's, it's, again it just keeps bringing up this the wonderful area of the occult and how exciting it is and all the fun and, and and also how innocent there's never a bad side to it after trouble. and you receive any kind of a of a gift you receive anything from Satan and there's a price tag involved. Or one of our Dutch pastors who we were we worked with. As he put it, you, you give your little finger to Satan, and he takes your whole hand. That's the way he expressed it. That's a good... And I would say to will take your whole hand, he takes your whole body after the time. He just started with the hand. the way down.